You're listening to audio from First Christian Church. To find out more about us or to donate to our ministries, visit firstabq.org. For a reading of God's Word from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 42. Here is my servant, whom I will uphold, my chosen in whom my soul delights. I've put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break, and a dimly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring justice. He will not grow faint or be crushed until he has established justice in the earth and the coastlands wait for his teaching. Thus says God, the Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people upon it and spirit to those who walk in it. I am the Lord, and I have called you in righteousness. I've taken you by the hand and kept you. I've given you as a covenant to the people, a light to the nations, to open the eyes of the blind, to bring out prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison, those who are in darkness. I am the Lord. That's my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to idols. See, the former things have come, and they've come to pass. And the new things I now declare before they spring up to you. Sing to the Lord a new song. His praise from the end of the earth. Let the sea roar and all that is in it, the coastlands and all their inhabitants. The word of the Lord from the prophet Isaiah can be seated. We have had a good year at First Christian. If you'll indulge me, the way I want to welcome us all in today is to talk about some of the things that have happened. I mean, you may be coming to First for the very first time and may not know the good things that have happened in this last year. This last year began with a new clarified mission statement. Anybody tell me what it is? Follow Jesus. Jesus. Last year when I asked what our old mission statement was, it was really hard to get anyone that could say it, right? But we know clearly that our focus is on following Jesus. And we invite all who are willing to join us in that task of being with Jesus and doing what Jesus did and saying what Jesus said and going where he leads. You know, the sermons have have guided us through our fear. This fall, we traveled through our fear with the Israelites in the Exodus. We have spent time looking at the Gospel of Luke early in the year, a gospel for outsiders, where Jesus himself was focused in on outsiders. We've looked closely at the Apostle Peter, this unvarnished, full, full true person, a human being, that really was a manifestation of God's own grace. And you, the people of First Christian, represent a very strong core of people that dig down deeply and work from a very central core, realizing that we seek God together. In fact, we've kind of realized that we need each other. We need each other to help raise our kids, to pray for one another, to go through difficult times together, and we've seen that this year. Sometimes when a world is complaining and whiny, well, we've chosen to be a different kind of people, 
a people that are focused on seeking God. Well, even here in this space, uh, we've been able to do new chairs, new carpet, uh, giving us more flexibility. And there are great things that will come with that flexibility. In fact, just last week, we had Martha Sweeney's Celebration of Life. And this elderly woman who had a book club, a lot of her book club members were here and they'd never been here before. And they were snapping pictures of the chairs and taking that back to their communities of faith. Your influence in subtle ways shows up all over the place. Some things we can't even see or feel, they're just more like HVACs being replaced and helping our, our heating and cooling, improving the security of our building, rekeying, things like that that seem small or big things. Like this year, Amanda, our children's minister, was able to have a vacation Bible school. I mean, that's huge. And that was a vacation Bible school where she ordered a number of curriculum and then had to reorder and reorder as more and more people registered. And you probably remember Trunk or Treat, right? The line was huge. Everybody that knows knows that this is the biggest one we've ever had. This community wanted and needed to get together. Our youth minister, Gerald, it almost feels like this is his first year, right? He's getting to kind of try to start over about what this is like in, in times of COVID. And we've pulled our teens out of the closet in the upstairs hidden away room and brought them more where they're centralized, where they have their own space to learn and grow and fellowship together. And we've all kind of had to improve our technology savvy, right? Checking in on Church Center, our app, letting folks know that we're there, finding our bulletin there, and new leaders. This year we will welcome uh, a new leader with, uh, with Lawrence Garcia. It's been a tough couple of weeks and months, the Garcia family, but in January we will install him. And we say somewhat of a farewell to James and Lindsay Parrish as they chart out a course in their RV. We're so thankful for their service and their partnership and the leadership team. We will be tracking your course and looking forward to your return with us. And just weeks ago with Christmas Promise, we put out a request for presents and gifts and things that were really more about people's needs. And in a matter of minutes, they were gone. Rachel Dostal had to find more ways that we could serve, even printing them out between services because this congregation looks for a way to serve. And you likely won't know about this unless you're a part of it. But one of our groups, we've got a number of groups that meet, got together and said, what do we want to do? How do we want to bless others? And they realized our healthcare workers are really strained. And so they commissioned uh, a part of their group to create gift baskets for all of those healthcare workers. Healthcare workers that they didn't know, to just take them to their places of work and bless them. Invisible acts of service. I am so thankful that I get to serve with this staff, with this group of ministers, with these elders, because this is a group that's committed to this church. They've literally given their blood in this church. <laughs> well, so have you, right? We've done two blood drives this year, trying to do our part to reach out to others. You know, whenever we talk about peace, as we light this fourth candle for the fourth week of Advent, I think we know more than others that peace is not about the absence of trial or no suffering in our life. That peace is a choice. It is our journey through life. That we choose the way of peace in the midst of our own suffering. 
And I know that for many of you, this has been a difficult year. And I'll mention only two. Most of you know about Anthony Vincent and Deva. Anthony was in a motorcycle accident, nearly took his life, and he's been in a path of recovery. And we've drawn inspiration from the opportunity to serve them and also see what faithfulness to God looks like when we're dealt a very difficult problem. Or Max Legg, who's had heart surgery after heart surgery. Got to go home this weekend after 12 days in the hospital. I bring up these folks because they are an inspiration and they're just examples of how you have served. And I bring them also up because they've only been here within the last year, 18 months. These are new folks whose names you likely do not know. This church has a diverse manifestation of the body of Christ, and we're glad to get to serve here. Well, what about you as you make the turn towards Christmas? How are things going for you? I was talking with someone, and they had mentioned that they've not yet put up their, their Christmas tree. And so I gave them my best holiday prep talk that I could give. Why bother? You know, I mean, it's just a few days. It just, why bother? Okay, well, not exactly the best prep talk that I could give, but that's what I told them. I, I don't know how it's going for you or what you would say. Maybe you've decorated. You've got the lights on the house, things around, some holly, some mistletoe. But in this time, we do focus a lot on our, on our decorations, about getting things in order. Maybe you're not a house decorator. You like to decorate your car. Any car decorators? Put the wrapping paper on your hood. Antlers sticking out of the windows. Is anybody in this? A big bow? Maybe something trapped in the trunk? Or wait, that's, that's Halloween. Well, I've seen some reindeers trapped in the trunk too. Well, in these times of decorations, uh, we and our family have been lighting these candles, counting down the path. And in this text that we're looking at, we kind of get to open up a gift that is kind of confusing. There is a, a gift. I don't know if, if you guys are starting to see gifts around your tree and pick them up, see what, how, how much they weigh. Do they squish? Do they rattle? Trying to figure out what they are. Well, in this passage of Isaiah that's so distant, so removed from our world, there's a mystery here. There is someone called the suffering servant that's mentioned in this passage, where we don't know exactly who this person is. And so we have to kind of pick it up and shake it and rattle it around a little bit. Suffering servant, I mean, one of the things that confuses me to hear that title is pain. I mean, it almost sounds like violence that's being inflicted on this servant that's supposed to lead. How, how does that fit with someone that's to lead? So what I want to do is kind of clear up the mystery of what's in this box. I want to tell you who the suffering servant is. We're not going to go into all the descriptions of who this person could be. This is Israel, the people of God. These earliest readers and listeners to the prophet Isaiah knew that God was pointing to his servant Israel. And here he gives us a little hint in the earlier chapter, chapter 41, verse 8, my servant Israel. Israel, the descendants of Abraham, those who have come from him. And so my focus as we look at the servant is on the people of God. So open up your Bibles. Here's how I want us to look at this passage today. It's a song that's 
drop down right into the middle of all this prophecy. And there are three parts to it. The first part is the first four verses where God steps forward and says, I'm Yahweh, this is my servant. He announces the servant. He lets us know who the gift is. The gift is chosen. This is a person in whom he delights. That he is brimming like a overflowing coffee cup with the Spirit of God. This special person is anointed to bring justice. Wow. But not justice in an overpowering sense. Not like we'd expect with a king. Not powerful at all. In fact, this is a, a leader, a ruler, a servant who's focused on the insignificant people. Not coming with the pomp of a king. He doesn't destroy anyone. In fact, when you hear this person talked about, they don't even say anything at all in these first four verses. They don't make a sound. They don't cry out. They don't suffer from being crushed. In fact, if they were to come across a poinsettia that was broken, they wouldn't go ahead and break off even that broken branch. If there was a candle that's about to be snuffed out, they wouldn't snuff it out early. They would leave it alone. Now, this doesn't sound like a powerful person. This suffering service, servant, and this is a, a second thing, makes me think they're just kind of a wimp. Not a strong person. How, how can you bring justice with suffering or with service? Justice that gets repeated over and over again in verse 1 and verse 3 and verse 4. And yet, in the second part of this psalm, God speaks to the servant. In verses 5 through 7, God tells this servant, I'm Yahweh. I created all things. I gave life to you. Takes this person by the hand and says, you are to be a light to the world, a gift to the world. I'm giving you as a covenant, as a promise, where faith can be seen. Now, let this soak in for you. Because the, the gift that's being given is not just to the people of Israel. It's the people of Israel as a gift to the whole world. This is a wide scope, a wide two on the gift that is given to the world. Well, the song closes out in verses 8 and 9, where God again says who God is. My glory, I don't franchise out. I don't give it to others. This is my glory. I have no rivals. And I am about to do a new thing, says God. Not an old thing like judgment, but a new thing like salvation. Well, when we look at the song, we look and say, all right, this is the gift that's being given. It's the gift of Israel to the world. But if we shake it and we keep thinking, I don't know if that's really what's in the box. You might be thinking of someone else that this might be referring to, right? Who would that be? The Messiah. The, Messiah, the Christ. Jesus. And yes, that is another way to see this. There are a number of these songs that when we look at them, we think, oh yeah, that kind of sounds like Jesus, doesn't it? Someone that comes like a king, but not powerfully like a king. Not in the way that we expect. Yes. And so early Christians very clearly saw the suffering servant as Jesus. And so I want to take that gift just a little step further. A further step that might be uncomfortable for you. Yes, it's Israel. Yes, it's Jesus. But that suffering servant is you. 
You, as the people of God, are this suffering servant. Well, that might seem to stretch you to think about being the light to the world, of being the one that's given as a gift to the world. And you might not be totally convinced that that's really what this is. How can I be in Scripture? This isn't about me. It's, it's Israel. Or maybe this hundred years of prophecy of Jesus. That's not me. Well, if you need more convincing, Paul and Barnabas, in Acts chapter 13, verse 47, they're speaking with some non-Jews. As Jews themselves, they, they look at these non-Jews and they say, we are given as a light to the nations. They take on this idea of being the gift and the promise given to others. So as God's people, we are given this gift of the suffering servant, a gift that we're to embody in the way that Jesus embodied. Now, what does that even look like? I think that's what we're spending a lot of time on today what it looks like for us. Because when we look at our own lives with Christmas, a lot gets spent on decorations, right? In fact, in some ways, Christmas is all about the decorations. How do we dress up our lives and our houses with holly and mistletoe, with red and green, yes, chili, but red and green lights, and all kinds of things that make us think Christmas spirit. But the part that I want us to stretch about is that I don't know that we sometimes think about our faith in the same way. Maybe our faith is like a house that's all decorated with lights and tinsel, trees, but nothing's on. We haven't turned that switch on of our own action and our own lives. My favorite thing, my favorite gift about Christmas is you, of how you give yourself. And I, I would like to see you flip that switch on that we present ourselves to the world as the light, providing the light that points to God and who God is. And this reading of Isaiah 42 challenges us because there's a great contrast between the suffering servant who's Israel, who comes without a word, the suffering servant who's Jesus, who doesn't raise his voice at all. And in verse 10, when the worship gets kicked off, and the seas roar, and the desert screams out its voice, there's a contrast between what it seems like invisible, where you just look like normal people, but in your invisibility, you are with creation screaming out praises to God by the things that you do, by what you provide to this world. So if I give you my holiday prep talk, it wouldn't be to just not decorate externally, it would be for you to look at your own life, your own heart. And I know a lot of us are stressed out, thinking about what family time and what holidays are going to look like. Got to get all the things in order. Maybe you're thinking about who you're going to be around. Do they think the same way as you? Do they think differently from you? How are these conversations going to take place? And so the stress level goes up and we sweat. When it comes to peace at this time, stress is not a virtue. It's not healthy. In fact, if you look at this suffering servant here in Isaiah 42, do you see the servant stressed out, worried, or anxious? Do you see the servant trying to sweat out justice? No. But when that servant looks around, even though the world is crushing in on them, 
They're refusing to welcome those visitors into their house. You know what visitors I'm talking about? The visitors of fear. The visitor of aggression. The visitor of this will never work out. These visitors are not invited. Instead, they are welcoming Jesus into their home to drink cider with and eat cookies with. Not in just a pleasant way, but in a way that will establish justice in this world. One good deed at a time. One good action following another action. Working to bring peace. Because what I can tell you in your stressed outness about the holidays, I can tell you this, that all that we see around us, the things that we're experiencing that are very difficult for us, the pressures that are on us, these don't determine our peace. Can you hear me on this? Our circumstance do not determine whether or not we have peace and act in peace. Our friends or our family or whoever we're going to be around, they don't get to dictate whether or not we will be a person of peace. That's up to us. That's our choice of what we will welcome. And maybe we can choose to be like na nature. Neither is nature stressed out for the sea to roar or for the mountains to tower. They're not sweating. They are existing and being peaceful. We have good news to share. It's a crazy bit of good news that a young woman was in a barn with her husband giving birth to a baby. A young woman who, when she was pregnant, wasn't even married because this child came from somewhere else. A young couple that went to their hometown and couldn't find a place to sleep. Think about that. Nowhere to just rest, let alone be able to give birth to a baby. That humble coming of the suffering servant inspires us so that we can, like Israel, like Christ, allow Jesus to arrive in our bodies. Because we serve a bigger God. We serve a God that stretched out the heavens. We serve a God who poured the foundations of the earth like lava sprinkled some grass and wildflower, gently brought rain to it. God is not sweating or stressed about anything. And we too can be people of peace who celebrate and anticipate and in a very odd way become the gift that's given. That's what I'm wanting you to do, to be this gift to the world. Where Jesus arrives humbly, so we too must arrive humbly on the doorstep of the world's porch, arriving through our lives. Now I want to give you a real, real practical way you can do this. Something that we've done before. A secret and sneaky way for us to take care of those that maybe we don't know as well in our life. In January, on the 1st of January, we invite everyone that's connected to FIRST, wherever you are, to join us in praying for our neighbors. We did this back in the late summer. We pray for five neighbors in our life. Five people who don't know Jesus. That makes each one of us to think about the gift that we are to five people. We pray for them five minutes a day for those five weeks. So it'll stretch a little bit into February. And you'll be learning more about this from your group leaders. But if you're not in a group and you want one of those prayer brochures, there's some 
on the Welcome Center in a basket. You can pick those up, or even some that are in the, the leaflet rack right around the right as you exit the building. Pick one of those up and join us in praying starting January 1st for our neighbors, where we can maybe make this practice adjust for what, for what will work in our life. If it's five minutes or the two minutes that it takes you to pause before you get in the car and start the engine and take off, or maybe on the commute. However you can do this of praying for your neighbors, intentionally bring them into the presence of God. In this way, we can let our actions be more than decoration, but our actions can back up who we believe that God is and what we want God to be in the lives of others. You are that gift to the world, and I invite you to see that as you approach this holiday season so that that gift giving doesn't just stop on Christmas, but it becomes your gift to the world in 2022. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for the work that you have done through Israel, the work that you have done and are doing through Jesus, and the work that you're doing through each of our humble lives. And we ask that you will fill us with your spirit, that you'll give us a vision to see that we are your light to this world, that how they see you is in many ways dependent upon how they see us. And so we offer to you our weaknesses, knowing that sometimes that's the way people see you best, to see us struggle and to see that you are still with us. And so we pray that our faith not just be merely decorations that might get put away, or even decorations and lights that we don't turn on, but that our lives will be active, an active gift to others. We pray all this through Jesus, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen.